ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, giant time is here. That's right, we're talking commando on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, once again from the Hearst Castle in San Simeon, California. I'm shooting holes in it right now. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film or action film, the characters. That's right. We're going to unpack all the gory details of Act 3 of Commando in the hopes that a Valverde headhunter's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there is only one person I trust to don a series of mustaches so that she can appear to be several henchmen in the series of times I have to kill her, the one and the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I'm fine, but I think it's important to to let the audience know that that we drew straws. Uh, I've got the series of fake mustaches while you got the very, very tiny and revealing bikini bathing suit. Well, I... So, which one of of us got the better part of the deal here? I think we'll just leave that up to the listeners to decide. That's right. We don't want to tell anyone what their fetishes are. That that should be their business, and they should just enjoy (laughs) what we bring to the table. For you, it's a very obviously glued-on mustache, and for me, it is a shapely bikini. (laughs) Now, I don't want to alarm you, Gina, but we are not alone. That is right. We have a special guest. You may know him from his previous appearance on this very podcast, making him an all-star, but also from his wonderful podcast that I feel is our brother satellite orbiting uh, the very same weird planet we happen to enjoy. My neighbors are dead. The one, the only, Adam Peacock. How are you doing, Adam? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, it's our pleasure. When I heard you talking about Commando on your own podcast uh, uh, about a month or so ago, I'm like, ooh, this is kismet. This this doesn't always happen. It's so great. And you know what's funny? Like I feel like this has been 30-plus years in the making because I went as Commando for Halloween one year as a kid when I was a little kid. (laughs) Wait a second. What version of Commando? Like the Battle Pants and Henley version? It was the version of Commando where my very sweet mother took me to Myers and bought me a little camo suit and a little handgun, and I just told everybody I was Commando. <laughs> did she? Did she lovingly draw like camouflage makeup on your yeah, face and arms? Bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had this stupid little buzz cut, and you know, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. That is a sight. So did you earn more candy or less candy that year? You know what? I don't really remember. I just remember that my friend Cyrus spent the night and we ordered pizza from Seattle's Best and got triple cheese on it. And it, we couldn't eat it. We had to throw it away because it was so much cheese. <laughs> so I don't really know how much candy I got. <laughs> oh, well, at least it was memorable. Uh, for all the weirdest of reasons. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, now, when was the first time you actually saw Commando? I think so. That must have been fifth or sixth grade, I think, was the first time I saw it. And was it in home video or did you see it in, in the theater? I think I saw it on home video. I think okay. my grandfather might have had a copy or so. I think that I might have saw it over there. And that's that was the first time I saw it. And I instantly fell in love with Alyssa Milano. Now, uh, weirdly enough, I found out that Alyssa Milano was not the only person who auditioned for this particular role of Jenny Matrix. Other people who also auditioned include Winona Ryder, Shannon Doherty, Elizabeth Shue, Jennifer Connelly, and Patricia Arquette. So I, I don't know that any one of them would have done a better job or that any of them would have done a worse job. But that is a murderer's row of 80s preteens who were up for this particular role. Patricia Arquette, a preteen in 1985? <laughs> <laughs> I think she was a post-teen by 1985. That I think particularly having her, the, the interactions with Bennett would have just put it, I mean, it was already kind of creepy. I think that would have pushed it beyond a, 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 an uncomfortable level. That would have been a strange jump for Connolly to go from Once Upon a Time in America to Commando. Yeah, you know, let alone those those father daughter bonding scenes at the beginning. I mean, when you you know when she's supposed to be like ten or eleven, okay, it's 
cute. When she's like 18, it's like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> and they kiss Dad, on the lips please a put lot. on some larger pants. They do. And he cannot stop carrying her around. He carries her at the beginning, he carries her at the end. And both times, it's almost like a dare. Like, can you lift this, this preteen? And it's like, yes. Yes, I can. And he just hoists her. Can you lift this preteen? And, and at the end of the film, she looks like she has grown five inches from the beginning of yeah, filming. Her, yeah, her legs, are, her legs are like hanging down to like mid shin. <laughs> and, 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 and he's like, he's just been beaten with a, with a metal pipe. And he's just casually carrying this 70 pound child <laughs> on his hip like it's nothing. All right, let's get into it, because we could talk around it all day, but you know what? It's time to find out who is still left alive at this point in the movie. It's time for a body count. So let's start with John Matrix and Cindy. Uh, They filmed the love scene at one point. Uh, Oh, God. (laughs) And apparently it was dropped because it appeared, quote, unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Has he done? He's never done... A lo- any kind of like sex scene or love scene other than Conan, right? Uh, Conan and then twins. You got you have the approach but does that, to but it. But does twins? But does twins count though? I'm talking about like one that's supposed to be kind of sexy. Oh no! I'm not to say not to say that the scenes in Conan were sexy, but I mean I think they were supposed <laughs> to be kind of sexy. Oh, that witch but... is totes sexy. Are you kidding me? She's a sex witch. That's her whole the gig. One, the one who turns into like a werewolf yeah. or something? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Was there a sex scene in Twins? Does he have sex in Twins? Uh, he gets semi-seduced uh, by John Travolta's wife, and she wears a very 80s teddy that looks like two Vs set in opposite directions. Oh, man. <laughs> if I ever get married, that's going to be, that's got that's the wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching twins or or recreating that sex scene? Oh no, I was talking about I'm gonna I'm gonna try to marry Kelly Preston at some point. Okay. <laughs> well, Godspeed. Uh, who knows what's happening with John these days? Uh, he's one gaudy level disaster away from f- saying fuck it all. Oh man, I heard that gaudy movie is fantastic. Oh man, yeah. Once I heard someone from Entourage was in it, I'm like, oh. He directed it. Oh, are you fucking di- kidding me? It was, wasn't, it was Turtle, wasn't it? it? Isn't the guy who played Turtle? Didn't he yes. direct it? Yeah. You he are fucking it. kidding me. Why <laughs> am I not, not seeing this movie? <laughs> Holy shit. Do you have a movie pass? Movie pass really wants you to see Gotti. <laughs> and now that's and that's why they have no money now. <laughs> that's right. They sucked all of their available cash into propping up Gotti. <laughs> oh God! Oh, they should be out of business even faster. Armand Desante did a Gotti movie too, I think. So I, you know, I mean, Armand Desante did the best Gotti movie because he was the best looking version of John Gotti walking around on two legs. I mean, Armand Desante is a pretty good looking guy. Yes, for sure. Uh, then we have General Arius uh, of the Montgomery Ward collection, and then <laughs> we have Bennett. <laughs> Whose dating profile uh, these days would just be two words everywhere, and it would just read, "It's complicated," and I think that would sum it, up that. I, I thought it, I thought it would read. I thought I thought that his his dating ad read, "John, John." <laughs> <laughs> At one point, uh, my notes are just stop saying "daddy," stop saying "John." Because it's too many. There's too many daddies and there's too many Johns. And it sounds like all like Twitter from last week all coming across this movie. I don't care who's the daddies and Johns. That could be the name of our improv troupe if we start one. (laughs) There we go. Oh, see, we're halfway there. So let's get right into the action. We pick it up here after Cindy murders at least one police officer via rocket launcher to rescue Matrix. Yeah, she's uh, she's back to doing a lot of a lot of oh and ooh oh I don't know which <laughs> you know when you kill somebody with a rocket launcher you 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 start to know who you are as a person after that. So That's so right. she needs to stop being a little she not she needs to stop being so insecure in her, in her abilities. She learned how to use a rocket launcher by reading the instructions. <laughs> That's right. I could barely operate half the equipment in my house, and I didn't read the instructions. She's way ahead of me. Have some confidence in yourself, Cindy. (laughs) I'm blown away that rocket launchers come with instructions. (laughs) 
I, I, I want to imagine they look like instructions that you get with Ikea furniture. Yeah. Just a little, just a little, just a little smiling man holding a rocket launcher. You know, a little diagram showing the rocket coming out. And the little cartoon flames. There's an Allen wrench in there for some reason. <laughs> There's just an odd number of wood uh, pegs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Extra dollars. Perfect. It's called like 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 you know boom shooting or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, cut to General Arias and Bennett in their Santa Barbara estate. Uh, with two hours left before Matrix is supposed to be in Valverde, Arias is having doubts about his plan, but Bennett is convinced that John will do anything they say so long as he believes that he will get his daughter back. Meanwhile, Jenny tests the doors of her frozen-like cell, hoping one day someone will ask her to build a snowman. She also looks like she's been she she has she has a uh, mascara streaks, yes. which I thought was was very yeah. odd because I don't think she was wearing eye makeup before, <laughs> but but she's kind of getting a little close to an Alice Cooper thing going on with these like <laughs> like you know the man kind of like the man you know, like, behind the mask. <laughs> it's like did you. Did you put on a little, you know, uh, L'Oreal before getting kidnapped? You're like 11. <laughs> she looks like she's in the touring company of Annie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little hard knock life happening in that suite. And <laughs> if it's an 80s action movie, part of it has to take down take place down by the docks. It was just in the Union rule book. So Matrix grabs his gear and smashes a very large man's very large head into some kind of steel scrap heap, and he's dead. Somehow his, sometimes his, somehow his head does not split open like a melon, which I totally expected. <laughs> it would have been better, because there's no way your head connecting to that very large, very sharp-looking, very rusty piece of metal would not reveal all the blood that's inside <laughs> your eye sockets <laughs> there's a lot of blood in there too yes oh and that guy i mean <laughs> that, that is the that is the juiciest part of your body hands down yeah that heart is working <laughs> overtime to keep blood anywhere near his brain it is so very very large i mean it looks large next to arnold schwarzenegger so that motherfucker has a large ass head yeah he's fucking huge man no he's gigantic <laughs> Uh, speaking of scrap heaps, uh, Cindy is tasked with flying one, and as she begins to gear everything up, the engines refuse to start until Arnold gives it the Fonzie treatment by punching punches it. the plane into working. <laughs> That's right. He also responds, works every time. So how many times has he kidnapped a stewardess to fly him to an island off of Santa Barbara in a plane that won't start? I, I think the best part, until you're leaving out about this scene, is that yeah, you know, there's a lot of machine gun fire, and everybody is one-handing these machine guns Everyone. like it's nothing. Everyone. It's not. It's not just there's a guy driving while shooting a <laughs> machine gun. Why? Why drive? Why continue to drive? He, they both of them drive towards this plane, and Matrix leans out of that very small door and, and want not once, not twice, but three times, and managed to kill both Uzi henchmen. And then the jeep just kind of commits suicide in the water. <laughs> well, it's not going to get better than that. I mean, that jeep, like, that jeep has fulfilled its purpose. I had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> Remember me as I live. Yeah, that's it's never going to. Yeah, it's never going to do better than that. <laughs> um, now, takeoff here requires Matrix to push the throttle because. Cindy forgot, for Christ's sakes, she can figure out how to use a rocket launcher via instructions, but can't remember that throttles put gas into engines that, that push a plane. <laughs> she was only trained on a Cessna! Cessna's have a fucking throttle too, Gina! She should be allowed to be empowered! <laughs> yeah, they're really, she's really hogtied with this whole thing. I... There are moments where it feels like I don't think she's badly cast and I don't think she's a bad actress, but there is a bit of that sort of squealing like she's in the middle of Indiana Jones and the, the Temple of Doom situation. Yeah, it's she sure there's many moments where she reminds me of when they're they're stuck in the cave full of bugs. Yes. And 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 Willie's just just endlessly screaming, and after a while, the audience is kind of looking at her like like you know, Indiana Jones looks at her when she finally opens the door, and he's just kind of just scowling at her. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> She's got Winnie Scott syndrome going on a good half of the time. 
Uh, we get some sweet ass, you know, replacement of clouds in there that look like they were out of Airport seventy seven. And we and we get a we get a guest appearance by the late great Bill Paxton, who I completely Bill, forgot yes. was in this movie. No idea until uh, Scott brought it up in episode one, and I, I had no po- no idea where he was. I going still to show I, up. I still couldn't remember where where he had been in it. I. I for all i was like i was thinking i think i was confusing it a little bit with his scene in the terminator <laughs> i was, I was like, just thinking that yes i just watched it the other day i forgot that that motherfucker's in terminator yeah and i was like is there a scene where he gets like you know hassled by a street punk i don't remember that that was another movie no. but sometimes some of these movies tend to repeat the same gag that's true uh he's in full chet mode in here uh, he's got the exact same Chet haircut. They could have been filming it at the exact same time. So I, I guess uh, favorite Paxton performance while we're at it. Twister. Twi- <laughs> Twister? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> it had a kick-ass Van Halen song on the soundtrack. And oh, so it, that's it, why I love the movie. It does. I annoyed Michael Crichton during a screening of of twister on the warner brothers lot go on um i started laughing no i started i was seated behind him which is hard to do because the motherfucker was six foot eleven holy shit and (laughs) uh, throughout the movie i was laughing at places i believe he thought were very serious and uh at one point he just kept looking back and i'm like what is your problem? And after the movie was over, I'm like, oh, the problem is you wrote this. Oh, no. Did you know so it was Michael Crichton when you were sitting I did him? after. I didn't know before. <laughs> <laughs> I learned my lesson, though, at, at screenings on the Warner Brothers lot after that. I, I covered my uh, eyes and face for, from inappropriate laughter after that. Oh, Lord. Okay. Uh, and Gina? favorite paxton oh that without question it's gonna be near dark okay yeah i can totally see that it's a- he he, it, he he's absolutely loving every minute he is on screen and just having the time of his life and if there's one thing that i love is when a villain in a movie just seems to really enjoy his work mm-hmm. and just just he just has a zest for life then <laughs> and, and he's absolutely just enjoy just tormenting his victims before you know before drinking their blood and and he never quite made any movie quite like that again and 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 i just he's having the time of his life in it absolutely it's a fantastic film if you have not seen near dark it is harder to find than ever before but you should i was gonna say you're fucking screwed (laughs) (laughs) because it's nowhere to be it's nowhere to be found for some bizarre reason i think it's part of h i think hbo has part of the rights to it and so therefore it is not available on home video night flyers the same reason um, there's a bunch of movies that HBO owns a part of, and they just they sit in some sort of HBO version of the Disney Vault. Just cast a deadly spell. You can't find that for shit. It's not even on HBO Go. No, I have yet to see it on HBO Go. I would love it to be there. It should be available. It should be seen by everyone. Uh, it aliens for me as far as Paxton performances. I. I still remember the theater I saw it in. Uh, it was the summer of 1986. My cousins were supposed to be taking me to see Top Gun. Uh, they said, we just saw this on Friday. We're going to take you to see Aliens, and it's going to fucking just kill you. And I can remember every beat of that movie in the giant theater in, in Balboa, uh, Newport Beach, California. And, oh, my God. I just got that my hairs just stood up on end just thinking about it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Hello. This is my family. Hello. Oliver, that's your sleeping bag. It's purple. (laughs) Is that a good... Are you a ghost now or do you approve of a purple? It's a ghost. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent guest appearance. Walk out on a high. You gotta laugh. It's a ha- it's a haunted podcast. <laughs> haunted by an eight year old with no front teeth. The scariest of all. The scariest ghost. <laughs> uh, so cut to Jenny back in her very well decorated cell, and she uses one of her many pieces of flair to unscrew a door handle. 
and start to chew away at some planks of wood that are boarding up her window. It's a very sped up version of the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Ollie, he has not been fed. Okay. I'm going to take that joke over. Once we <laughs> fuck. That was a good joke. Fuck. Um, <laughs> Children, the, the eternal joke killer. I know, he wants to feed the dog like that's important. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck it. Uh, this is where I noticed <laughs> yeah, Milano's face is very dirty here. This is where I thought she was a member of the touring company of Annie. She is filthy. She's really I did they what has she been what is on Matrix's sweater vest that is so filthy? Is it just because he doesn't take it off to wash it? Is he a never nude? <laughs> yeah, I don't I think yeah, you can't wash that. <laughs> Not even in a gentle cycle? Like, you can't, like, wash it in a sink <laughs> no, and hang man, it? No, I think it's got, it's, yeah. I think it's, like, hockey equipment. You don't wash hockey equipment. <laughs> I will take that. One of Ares's troops comments uh, as as Bennett passes by that uh, cutting into a little girl is, quote, like a hot knife through butter. And... That is just not how stabbing works. I mean, why is that better or worse? Like, if he's like, one time I stabbed this old lady and it was like cutting through expired spam. It was such a difficult thing. I don't like it. I like I like stabbing little girls. It's just what I enjoy. And I, and I like that. I like that. I like that Bennett is just mildly disgusted by this. <laughs> I mean, obviously the guy's talking out of his ass, but also it's a weird subject to talk out of your ass about. Is it just me? Maybe I'm looking for something that's not there. But when they first hatched this scheme to get John Matrix to kill South America, they talk about <laughs> um, the, the entire the continent. Entire continent South America. America. Well, he's an enemy of the entire co- continent because uh, the 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 general comes by is like, well, you know, it could be Syria, it could be South America, like the whole place doesn't get together and carpool a killing of you after the fact. Like, what did you do down there? Right, and also, why isn't the government taking better care of him knowing that the shit that he's done, that people want to kill him like this? Uh, I don't know. They cut the funding? Who, who the fuck yeah, knows? Right, yeah, fucking Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, again, I could be looking for something that's not there, but after, like, when they first hatched this scheme, they, meant, they make mention of, it'll give us more time with your daughter. Yes. And they say it very, like, sexual and, like, it... it it seems like they're like sexualizing this young girl at every turn they they possibly can. Am I wrong about that, or am I like because that seems really fucked up? Well, I mean, it, it seems to me that that uh, that Jenny is not the member of the Matrix family that Bennett would most like to have sex with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, let let's let's be real. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get to this, but but things get real weird. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, things get super weird to the point where I think uh, Arnold seduces him into a knife fight and. That's the first time. We've all been been there. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Come on, baby. Don't you just want to to stick me with the knife? Is not something I've used as as pretense or any sort of foreplay. Maybe I'm a square. Give it a shot, man. Yeah, I know. Tonight. Let's put that on the list. Sweetest day's coming up. (laughs) I'm going on vacation. There's hotel sex in my future. <laughs> let's bring let's bring threats of knife fights into yeah, pull it. Pull a knife on your bride. See what happens. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, well, listen, knife fight or recreating that scene from Twins. That's the great quandary. Which one is it going to be? That's that's the Sophie's choice of what you're going to do with a Saturday night. <laughs> oh, that's God. tough. It is tough. Uh, you- you just have to make every moment count, and, and I say, go for the buck knife. <laughs> Making it count, bringing it back to Paxton, who was in Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> to making it count, Jack. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Bennett and Arius kind of sort have circled this conversation. We, we get what feels like four fucking minutes of them talking about Bennett's like. Uh, who's who's frightened? Are you frightened? Am I frightened? Who's smart? How tough are your soldiers? Who kidnapped Jenny? Who's frightened? 
are you smart? I'm smarter. How tough are your soldiers? I'm tougher than your soldiers. Who kidnapped Jenny? Why are we still having this fucking conversation? It's been four fucking minutes. That's not what I'm here for. And I think part of it is because they're doing this sort of Sorkin walk and talk and they couldn't cut any one part of it because it would look out of sequence. Oh my God, it's goddamn endless. And you just have. Well, you know what, though? You know what, though? Because them talking makes up for the near 15 minutes of virtually no dialogue except for extras yelling in Spanish. (laughs) In ADR, yes, absolutely. They're trying to. It's like they had a, an industry quota they had to hit. So they're like, well, we can't cut any of that scene. Otherwise, we'll only qualify as a silent movie. <laughs> uh, Do you think they found out late in production that where they want to hatch this scheme that they don't speak English? And they're like, fuck, we got to get some people who speak Spanish. <laughs> oh, that, that would disrupt uh, dressing up the same five stuntmen in varying degrees of glue on mustaches. At one point, they kill the same guy in the same mustache four times in a row. But we'll get to that. Um, and uh, uh, the plane, meanwhile, has come in early uh, into Valverde, which I learned uh, was used in other films, in particular in Predator. In Predator, they reference Valverde. Cool. So it, that... and, and, and the guy, what was the, the guy he killed in the plane's name again? Henriquez. Hen- Henriquez, uh, looking a little gray. Yes. Not not has not flown comfortably. No, it's revealed that uh, while he's been dead, a makeup artist has come in and touched him up like he's in a Romero dead film. Somehow the blood that's coming out of his nose looks like it has crunch berries in it. That's supposed to be like his brains leaking out. I don't know. Why and would his why brains leak out? Why anybody notice that this guy had pissed and shit himself in the back? <laughs> exactly. I think, you know, I think um, our, first, our first episode about this, our guest mentioned the same it's, I mean, the guy's been on a plane for 11 hours. He'd be covered in piss and shit. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's business class. I mean, that's why I'm paying more. I can do what I want. I mean, I get I, it, man. I'm total trash, and I fly, I fly back there. But like, I'm never like covered in piss and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little dubious on a, a how long was the flight supposed to be? Like eleven hours. Eleven hours. That that no one ever at any point during this flight checked on this man. <laughs> he told him not to. He's you know, you know, asked him for you know if they wanted his you know his package of peanuts or or if he wanted to watch *Romancing the Stone* and they're in flight movie or something. <laughs> if he did, he would have taken that pith helmet off of his head. It's not taken off until the plane lands. That light jostling then knocks it to the side, and his gray visage is revealed. <laughs> Cut to Arnold in a very tiny speedo. <laughs> Holy fuck! Is this guy jacked to the goddamn hilt? So this 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 scene was was confusing. Okay. Not confusing. It was puzzling. Sure. Are these were these swim trunks? I, or or were these his are were these his actual underwear? Is he like sporting little tiny bikini underwear? Oh, I hope it's underwear. I <laughs> do you mean like, Gina, do you mean like in real life? Is that what he was wearing at the time? I, I just feel like you would this is this something that Matrix would wear just like on an you know just an average you know I'm just getting dressed we put on these tiny satin bikini underpants <laughs> like I'm gonna do like I'm gonna do a shift to Chippendales that night. I feel like for a guy who likes to broadcast to a camera that he feels like he's coming all the time, I think that is an absolutely appropriate piece of underwear that he would wear. <laughs> They're very skippy. Uh, you see a lot of him. And he is just fine with it. Uh, he His bulges have bulges. Everywhere is rippling. His skin... His hair is, rip- his his hair hair is, is rippling. rippling. His skin is, is like the surface of a jacuzzi. It's just... Everywhere is just... He's huge. Yeah, he's huge. He's jacked out of his goddamned mind. Uh, Cindy is left in the plane, thank God, uh, to radio for help. Uh, cut to beautiful Long Beach Airport. 
back before they added a new front onto it. Uh, this is back when you could cut, you know, shut down the whole fucking airport and make it look like Valverde International, apparently. Uh, put, put, throw, throw, throw a few like chicken coops and fruit carts around in front of it. <laughs> this is very authentic to Valverde culture. <laughs> Which is some white guy's idea of what it's like to be in South America. And everybody is very, very, very sweaty. <laughs> they are glistening. Uh, three beefy hotcakes get out of a very old 62, uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, one of whom is donning a drug rug, as Gina lovingly puts it. <laughs> And they, they head inside to pick up Matrix. Um, in the background, art direction alert, uh, we see uh, posters of General Ares's face X'd out in red spray paint. It's very V. Uh, cut, to Ar- cut to Arnold getting dressed in a scene that must have inspired the groovy sequence from Evil Dead 2. And they also uh, did the exact same sequence in um, I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is very quick cut. I mean, it's, it is... I have, I've seen the gif of it a few times, and it is kind of miraculous. All the shit he's putting onto his body. And in the middle of that fight, he seems to take all of it off. He'll just, like, use, like, he'll fire, like, like from a gun, like, once and just toss it aside, grab another gun. <laughs> and yet some guns have an endless amount of ammo. That shotgun seems to last ten minutes at one point. And he only grabbed a handful of shotgun shells. We saw it. But, yeah, he's he's draping grenades on himself, like, tinsel, and... and... <laughs> I mean, I don't know how he's supposed to sneak up on anybody. He should be, like, jingling and clanking like nobody else. Oh, yeah, it's totally, like, metal on metal. He he sounds like he he's... They're constructing scaffolding when he walks. But <laughs> the entire end of this movie is, you know, filmed without sound, because everything that everyone says until they're in the Freddy Krueger basement is completely ADR'd from this moment onward. Uh, just so everyone knows, uh, this is not an island off of Santa Barbara. He is storming the beaches of San Simeon, California, and the Hearst Castle, which now the state of California owns, but at the point, this point, uh, the Hearst family still uh, had control of. And they said, yes, you can build these barracks buildings and then blow them the fuck up on our front beach. So that's what they did. Um, we're gonna let we're gonna allow you access into our endless steam tunnel and st- antique furniture storage labyrinth. <laughs> that's yes. yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile, um, with a, with a potter with a with a pottery kiln and you know in a crematorium, you know, hand, handily. <laughs> You're right on the premises. I mean, it has so much shit in there, Gina. It, the only place I've seen more is in the uh, drama department of Hamilton High. I, I <laughs> thought the exact same thing with like the random, you know, empty mirror frame, a, you know, an overturned velvet chair, some 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 costume trunks, just you know, right where the steam pipes are. It's like it's like I guess we don't. I guess General Arius runs a you know a summer community theater when he's not busy being a dictator. That's right. Well, he has an amphitheater in the back, and you know he thought about doing a B and B, but it seemed like too much work. So why not have a summatory rep? You know. Yeah. Why do an Airbnb when you can put on a summer production of Pierre Gint? <laughs> <laughs> The six-hour epic. <laughs> um, I love random digital readouts. And so when Arnold holds these binoculars to his face, you see these obviously put in in post. Digital readouts underneath the dual images. <laughs> Do they actually tell you anything? I, at one point, they're the same number. And then the second time he looks at them, they're completely different numbers. So, no, I have no idea what they could possibly mean. Yeah, they do that shit in Star Wars, too. And they do it in a different language than what everybody else is speaking. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> um, I love Arnold's sneaky face here. It's like, no one can see me. <laughs> but everyone would be able to hear you. 
Yeah, and these are also supposed to be like the most you know elite guards in in, in General Ares's force, and they're just kind of standing around, not hiding, leaving themselves completely vulnerable to attack. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, cut to Valverde and Heavy 1 and Heavy 2, who <laughs> look like background players of a Cheech and Chong comedy. <laughs> See that a dead body's being offloaded uh, from the plane, and they check underneath the blanket much to that ambulance driver's displeasure, and notice that it's Henriquez, and they make a beeline for a phone booth, which is not cylindrical, so it's not the same as that awesome phone booth from Act 2 with Sully. Regrettably. Regrettably. I think this should be in a future where all phone booths are completely round. That's what would make me happy. (laughs) Meanwhile, let's start racking like gremlins too. <laughs> Meanwhile, let's start racking up some deaths. Let's start with a gut stab, then a throat slash, and then a times two knife throw, which and then he kind of launches something. It's called. I I I, I can't. What what weapon? What weapon is that? It's a Russian ballistic knife, which I think may be made up after the fact. I- I, I think so too. It was kind of like a, like a, I don't know what it was, but he he had a knife in his hand, then it wasn't in his hand, and it was like you know, launched at a high speed at this other person's torso. It's like someone saw that that can of peanut brittle where snakes jump out of it, <laughs> and replaced it with a knife, and said, "Oh no, this is gonna work great. It's a knife on a spring, and you just go, I like some peanut brittle and knife." comes out of people and uh yeah it, the other thing i like about that kill is he says coma usta beforehand and all he could think immediately is no bueno bob <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the the carnage in the last 25 minutes of this movie is is unbelievable it, it's it's kind of like a like a family guy gag where it you know, it goes on for so long that it stops. It stops being funny, and then starts being funny <laughs> after another few minutes. It's just it is an orgy of death. It's just nonstop. You know, pa 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 Then just, you know, just bodies, just you know, blowing up and falling off of roofs and falling into you know, wishing wells and and just you know, dozens of people firing at Arnold and nobody gets a shot in on him. None of them, not a single one. No, they cannot seem to either raise their guns up to where they might be able to aim. They come from the shoot from the hip in the general direction and hope it hits something school of killing well, people. See the, problem, the, the, see, the problem with, you know, you know one-arming a machine gun is while it looks cool as hell, you can't actually aim it. Your arm should be like just <laughs> flying in all directions, like one of the like one of those water like one of those water willy lawn you know, lawn toys. <laughs> yeah, the recoil alone would just would screw it all up. <laughs> your your arm your arm would basically be like you know what happens to Carl Weathers' arm in Predator. It would just you know just you detach itself from your body and fall to the ground, still shooting. Um, this is uh, well, I mean, at this point, like. I would love to give everyone a detailed breakdown of this and literally go kill by kill, but we we would be here until the end of time. Let's hit some of the highlights of the million nameless Valverde soldiers <laughs> of fortune that he kills. Let's start with him blowing up those barracks. And they must they must have had 15 cameras filming this. And I, I don't blame them because you you want to get every ounce of that juicy explosion. But some of the angles could have been chosen better because a couple of them show that mannequins are being held up by sticks in front of the explosion. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite effects. Yeah, I, 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 I love a good, obvious dummy. <laughs> we have several. We have a couple in a tank. We have two uh, in front of a door that are being, like, like, literally a stick up their ass and the stick into the ground version of them. Um Upon hearing this explosion, uh, Bennett says to no one in particular, "Welcome back, John." Uh, he's like, he, he's got this grin on his face, like, "Daddy's home." Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. 
<laughs> and it gets weirder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just like a tip of the iceberg. It gets a shit ton weirder. Uh, this sequence apparently was filmed by a five-year-old based on the angle of the camera. It's so <laughs> low. It's filmed by Jason Voorhees' dick cam. <laughs> Uh, so Bennett's outfit is what at this point? I <laughs> he's still got he's still got the uh, he's he's kind of full leather daddy at this point. Yes, he, he's he's got he's still got the crocheted vest, still got the choke collar. At some point, has put on fingerless gloves. Yes, very fashionable in the eighties, mm-hmm. and and he's got some he's got himself stuffed into some leather pants. <laughs> he's looking good. <laughs> Well, he, he this the crazy thing here is that that we learned that he was not the original actor for this role and they didn't have enough time to make a new costume. So he's rolling around in another actor's costume which might be the reason why it does not fit him to the best of everyone's ability. But I, I think that you know, plays into the gloriousness of the character overall. I mean, there, I don't know how the leather straps across his shoulder pads work. Um, and he's wearing a knit underneath the, the crocheted chainmail vest. It's like a, a tank under a vest. And he's the only character that isn't sweating profusely, which is which is which is shocking to me because he's wearing two layers of crochet. <laughs> he's just in that good of shape. Yeah, he is. He's at the the top of his range. <laughs> or, or his or his sweat glands don't work, which would explain why he's so angry all the time. Be a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He has a lot pent up, and you wish that he could just find a way to oh. let it out. Does he ever have a lot pent up? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, they uh, yeah they are recycling stunt guys like mad. Um, <laughs> it seems like they got ten guys and about five mustaches, and they're like, Here, run across this grass field, and when you reach halfway, just dive backwards like you've been punched by Superman, and. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be, and then come back, and we'll put you in a new uniform with a new mustache, and we'll do it again. Yeah, I, I um, was it one of the Hot Shots movies where he's he's just killing people, and there's like a score coming up on the screen, yes. like a like I swore to God that that was going to happen in this movie. <laughs> that's also where you see a lot of synchronized grenade ballet, and I know that's a direct reference to this because when people get shot or get or a grenade goes off. They literally do half twists in the air. Like you can see people do a slight tuck when when they've been launched off. Now, the see, ground. I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't expect that when somebody has a grenade thrown at them. I would expect them to you know just be blown apart in seven or eight pieces, and not just not just graceful not just gracefully plie away <laughs> from the explosion. <laughs> You gotta die with grace, <laughs> and they do. They are insanely graceful in the air. All they need is all they need is one of those ribbons uh, from rhythmic ballet, and I think you could have a real act going on. <laughs> Call Cirque. I uh, got ourselves a new show for Vegas, <laughs> and then he finds the the uh, very conveniently placed gardening shed. Oh, this is the best. He is hit by a grenade. He's hit, he's hit <laughs> by a grenade which and walks away with some minor scratches. It's the only time anybody's ever able to get a hit on him. It's ne- like, he should be dead. Have him hide behind a fucking tree already. You don't, you don't, this is, you've seen him hit other people with fucking grenades and they don't get up afterwards. Uh, but why am I talking about realism? It's fucking commando. So he limps his way to this tool shed and he immediately spies a number of deadly instruments that would make Jason Voorhees throb in his Mr. Fuck the Endgame Man parts. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, one of them is a trading card sized deck of rotary saw blades. (laughs) Meanwhile, five guys surround this shed and decide... We're going to kill it with bullets until it dies. <laughs> Including Mustache Man. He's back, baby. <laughs> Killing him the first four times did not take. He is right there with a full close-up of his face. Not once, not twice, but thrice. 
Um, so let's go through it and in the order in which they get offed after they start shooting. And one is ordered to open up that door, which that guy's got to be fucking like blow man on the totem pole. Like, what did he do out of those five guys? They're like, hey, let Jose open that door. I'm not fucking. He was new. <laughs> <laughs> like, did he not wash his dishes? Did did he put coffee grounds down the sink? Like, what the fuck did he do to get that? I'll tell you what he gets for it. And that's a pitchfork in the goddamn chest. Oh, the best. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, one guy gets scalped by a saw blade. The third one takes the saw blade to the chest like it was launched out of a motherfucking cannon. <laughs> the fourth takes an underhanded swing of the axe to the crotch. No less. And the fifth one just gets his arm cut off. <laughs> like, that's your every day. Like, that's the big letdown after the previous four deaths. <laughs> I just want to let everyone know that in the script, Matrix was supposed to uh, take uh, the arm off and then hit him with it and say, need a hand. Oh, my God. Really? Is that real? Yes, that is absolutely real. I'm so disappointed that they filmed that. They they filmed one version of it that apparently can be seen in the director's cut, in which he just throws the arm at him while he. Oh, my I've got I've got to seek this out. Oh, my God. That's the best. Um, Little did I know there was a director's cut to this movie. Uh, It is two minutes longer. Some people say it's 92 seconds and it's mostly just gore. Um, So then wave three hits the bricks and these guys have black uniforms. So, you know, they're real good at people killing. Um, Matrix kills a shit ton of them, climbs onto the roof like he's a fucking Spider-Man or something. Uh, (laughs) Meanwhile, Jenny goes into the basement. Um... And finally, uh, John Matrix breaks into this house after jumping off of the roof onto a balcony two stories below him, which should break both of his fucking legs. He sends one guy through a a glass uh, table and the other guy, I don't know, dies of having Arnold Schwarzenegger land on him awkwardly. That'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and then we have a very prolonged gun battle between Dan Hedaya and Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, which seems to go on for a very long period of time of them ducking behind walls and hiding behind statues and not shooting straight for some reason until finally Dan Hedaya's stunt double gets shot through a window and off a second floor balcony. He, he just uh, kind of sort of gives up. It's like, I'm tired. Go ahead. I think we're all tired at this point. It's a lot to take. <laughs> you know what's amazing about all of this? And the way you just described it, Patrick, is incredible. But the thing that just dawned on me now, and I don't know if they give a time frame. I can't remember the movie. But John Matrix has been retired for a little bit. So he's out of practice. Yes. So he's doing all of this without having done it before. So imagine how fucking good he was at killing when he was in his prime. Oh man, I'm telling you that that uh, army HR department must if when they killed when they kicked Bennett out of the group, they must have had a real debate about about Matrix because yeah he is super good at killing folks. He's like he's like the LeBron James of killing people. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> the man just has a talent. Uh, and he uses it. He he's taken his talents to San Simeon. God damn it. Sure is. Um, this is when we out of nowhere have an ADR of Jenny yelling daddy. And then matrix's seventh sense kicks in. And this is the least sensical thing that happens in this entire film. And that's fucking saying something. Uh, <laughs> what would prompt her to say daddy from while she's hiding from her pursuer in a basement and how would matrix fucking hear it? In, in, a, in a basement full of steam uh, steam pipes and 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 again a crematory. <laughs> yes, they are boiling souls down there. I don't know what it is. Part, part of me like thought like is is Bennett throwing his voice <laughs> doing some sort of trick to to, to lure him. <laughs> yeah, they say this is the movie Jeff Dunham watched and made him want to become a ventriloquist. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, 
oh, that that really casts a pale over this film. Um, and then for the next three minutes, people say John and Daddy, like I just I couldn't. I at one point I started to to write down how many, and then I just my fingers started to hurt from typing. <laughs> it's a lot of fucking Daddy. But Matrix gets shot in the arm and then basically gives Bennett a scenario in which is like, hey, do you want to shoot me or do you want to insert something inside of me? <laughs> and you know what? He's he's explaining this and Bennett looks like he's about to blow a massive load in his pants. <laughs> I mean, he's, he is panting. He is licking his lips. I mean, he's just like... I was just kind of like shrinking away from my my uh, my laptop. Like, wow, I forgot about this. I mean, he's like Sylvester the cat when he imagines someone <laughs> putting on a Thanksgiving turkey. Like, <laughs> it's nuts how oh, like oh, 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 he is about the idea of knifing the dude to death. I see. That's the thing that 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 you know, not having a lot of character development in this movie, which again, you don't expect there to be a lot of character development. But we really don't know exactly why you know, Bennett almost literally has a hard on for killing Matrix. We don't really. It's never really explained, except that that he got him kicked out of the special forces for being too violent. Yeah. Which which is which is you know boggles the mind a little bit but there seems to be a little bit something more going on there yeah. that either either was edited out or the the the, the screenwriter kind of started going in a direction and decided to not go not pursue it but it seems very very personal and 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 you know a little just intense <laughs> that's, for, a, for yeah, like, that's a really great point because he you're absolutely right he is like for lack of a better term, has a full blown hard on for killing this guy. I mean, he's been thinking this. He's been keeping himself up late nights thinking about this for a very long time. Yeah, it's weird. He uh, it is. It cannot be underestimated how how overt the queer undertones are to this. Oh God, yeah. Obviously, they were trying to push buttons with it. But after the fact, I, I think we, we, we would need to ask somebody with, with greater authority on, on the subject than the, than the three of us uh, about that. But that said, I don't, you know, is it really, you know, sort of, you know, homosexual undertones when, a, when Bennett beats Matrix about the lower body with a pipe ten times in a row? Then, then threatens to, then basically threatens to emasculate him. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's definitely something the screenwriter was trying to say, and then opted to not go all the way with it, <laughs> as as it were. Uh, and I think it only makes it more so after the fact by not saying it overtly. Um, I cannot even with Vernon Wells's teeth when he's holding up John's face to that furnace. There's some sort of bridge happening there. That does not look good at that angle, and it really weirded me out, and I had never seen it until <laughs> I saw this movie in HD, and oh my god, he has two entirely different sets of teeth in his mouth, and it <laughs> freaks me the fuck out. It is not meant to, but uh, there you go. That's what happens when your movie from 1985 gets transferred to Blu-ray. Um and so, but yeah, we get we get we get like extended moaning and groaning and grunting and heaving and. If they would have revealed that Bennett was Jenny's other dad, I would have shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best version of my two dads we ever saw on the big screen. How and I'm gonna say it right would now. That have been if that was if that's the reveal of the movie, someone that Bennett's his ex-husband. <laughs> someone in our audience put. These two guys in a tableau with Jenny, with the My Two Dads logo in it. If you love us, that's how you can prove it. That's gotta be. That's <laughs> like the best shirt ever. That's such a good idea. <laughs> we have a fucking t-shirt. Um, if somebody from Kill by Kill, the fan from Kill by Kill doesn't do it, I say the fucking three of us do it. Because that's really good. 
Um, so, uh, oh my god. Uh, Bennett gets headbutted into some sort of electric array of some kind that only seems to increase Bennett's ability to fight for a while. Uh, <laughs> that, that generally doesn't happen when you're nearly electrocuted to death, but okay. Uh, Vernon Wells also makes a noise when he's hitting or kicking Matrix that sounds like Miss Piggy doing karate. <laughs> There's a little hi-ya! But just the ya. There's no hi to it. It's just the ya. <laughs> uh, Bennett uh, finds a spare Uzi lying around, as you do, because it's a basement. You know, there's a bunch of shit down there. Uh, and and claims, I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes. I'm going to shoot you between the balls, because this film does not have any issues with masculinity or queer identity at all this is when matrix responds by ripping a pipe out of the fucking wall and tossing tossing it javelin style through bennett's chest and the boiler behind him saying let off some steam bennett so is this a get bunked yes yes it it is a get bunked definitely it it, it is a particularly implausible get bunked because how much arm strength would a person have to be have to have to possess to throw a large pipe all the way through a human body and into the steel iron yeah you know, layer behind it no it literally would have to be fired out of some sort of projectile cannon in order for this to happen yeah it's a lot yeah that's yeah and yet it does and it's just and it's, it's just it's just a straight trajectory too it might as well and probably was you know, swung across the 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 set on on wires <laughs> um yeah but for as unreal as that is and as crazy as that is that's how i want to die <laughs> Wait, spoiler. <laughs> nah, that's fine. Not, I, I think that's the way I want to die too. Like, there's no, like, the choices here are get blown up, get sliced with uh, a metal blade, or get a fucking pipe jammed into your chest and be told, let off some steam, Bennett. I want the pipe. Uh, Gina, are you honestly telling me you have a different choice than that? Uh- I think I'm kind of a fan of, of you know being in a jeep that gets blown up by a rocket launcher. <laughs> I mean that's good. That's good too. <laughs> it's, it's 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 big. It's spectacular. But you know my family will save on the cost of a funeral because there won't be anything left of me to bury. Yeah, oh, I don't want to be it's, buried it's, either. It's I want econo- my it's economical. I don't want to be buried either. I want my skeleton to remain in that boiler room attached to that pipe forever, like I'm on Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Well, luckily, you'll have your dog tags attached to your your choke me daddy collar, so they'll be able to identify you. I just I want my mom to have to tell that story to all of her friends about how her son died. <laughs> in a we- in a weird homoerotic fight to the death with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Listen, my son would never have gotten into a knife fight with anybody, but then. That Arnold Schwarzenegger starts coming on to him and promising something that he wasn't going to deliver. <laughs> and then before you know it, he's stabbed through the chest with steam coming out of him. I'm going to stab you in the balls because that's where your balls are. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get a look at those balls. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can either show me your balls or I can shoot you there. Yeah. But one way or the other, I'm seeing them either balls. Way, I'm, getting, I'm getting a look. <laughs> I gotta get in my eyes on those balls. Well, you know, I mean, they, they were in the military together, so presumably he probably knew his his affinity for very tiny, revealing underwear. That's sure. It, he's been leading Bennett on for quite some time, and I feel... He's a cock <laughs> I feel that this HR dispute has very little to do with Bennett's propensity for being ultraviolet and everything to do with some sort of sexual harassment in either one of their past. And I, I, this may not be the right setting. It may not be the right place. But obviously one of them has been leading the other one on and it all led to this. Yeah, they told the press it was because he was too violent, but I think you're absolutely right, Patrick. That's exactly what's going on. <laughs> also, I want everyone to know that in the director's cut, it is revealed that Jenny's mom died in childbirth because of fucking course. <laughs> uh, so after this, uh, Matrix uh, arrives on the beach. 
amongst the smoking ruins passes another good dozen of beefy army dudes in real mustaches this time. <laughs> and they just look at him like he's the creature from the Black Lagoon as he walks by. Him. And Kirby goes, hey, this is a great time to ask you to come back to the army because now you got a taste for killing again. And he says, no chance. And he wanders into the surf to the sound of Power Station. That's right. This is the Michael DeBar <laughs> era of Power Station. Because Robert Palmer went back to the studio, back to his solo recording career. He didn't want to tour with John Taylor and Andy Taylor of uh, Duran Duran and Tony Thompson of Chic. That Chic, uh, not Chic. <laughs> Put some Chic in your Chic. <laughs> I I was blown away to discover that, that was a power station so i literally found that out about 15 minutes before we recorded this yeah, that's amazing I, I didn't even remember there was a song and when i found out when i heard that echoed gated snare that is such a signature of tony thompson um i just knew yes that's the same band that i saw in 1985 when pamela sue martin of tv's dynasty and nancy drew hosted saturday night live and they made their uh you know national television debut here in the states uh this was in anticipation of their first single some like it hot being revealed oh man the power station only the freshest pop culture references on Kill by Kill. Listen, if you're gonna <laughs> brought listen, to you every other week. If you're gonna listen to Power Station, listen to the first half of that album. You don't even need the second half of that album, and don't watch their live set during Live Aid because Michael Tabar is coked out of his goddamn gourd throughout it. And he or do watch it because that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> like I love watching particularly old performance footage of the cars when 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 Benjamin Orr would would sing because he just he can't even open his fucking eyes. <laughs> it, is, it is it is remarkable, remarkable. That's amazing. Uh, come back next time when we'll talk about more eighties rock stars and the way they looked when they sang on coke here on Killbox. <laughs> Uh, and I feel like we, I feel like we do need to, to real quick. I feel like we do need to do like a satellite mini podcast at some point, just addressing all the different, you know, kind of light new wave hair metalish theme songs in eighties action movies. Just a, a top ten. Oh yeah. All right. So it's the plot. I, I mean, if you the, the of course the, the platonic ideal is the soundtrack to Manhunter, <laughs> yes. which is oh, yeah. just like a Patrick Nagel painting come to glorious life. <laughs> Very true. Very, very true. Well, we've covered Choose Your Own Death Venture. Uh, so that pretty much leaves us with plugs. Hey, Adam, where can people find you and what you do on the Internet? Uh, we're on iTunes for your podcast at My Neighbors Are Dead and then My Dead Neighbors on Twitter. And uh, that's that's where we are. That's We're coming up to the uh, Detroit Improv Festival. So we'll be doing a, a show there uh, Saturday night, the 11th, with our good buddy Jamie Moyer. So, yeah, check us out there. My neighbors are dead. Excellent. Do it today. Can't recommend it enough. Gina, What? where can people find you on these internets? I write about old television and movies and pop culture at GinaRadcliffe.com. I also do some occasional writing for AlkaHollywood.com. I am on Twitter at Porcelain72 and on the Instagrams at GinaDoesThings. Excellent. That's right. If you want to reach out to us at Kill by Kill, there's an easy way to do it. That's on Twitter at Kill by Kill uh, Pond. If you have something longer than 280 characters to say, and that seems like a long shot, but you never know. It's happened. Uh, reach out to us at Kill by Kill Pod at gmail.com. On Instagram, we're at Kill by Kill Podcast. And of course, we have the Facebook page and the group to discuss things in exhausting detail. And of course, we would love you. Uh, dearly from the bottom of our heart if you could rate and review us on iTunes that helps us be seen and heard by more people be like dawning it who says listen I was raised in an anti-horror home but this all feels uh, feels like uh, they're focusing on things oh holy fuck I can't read this (laughs) listen I was raised in an anti-horror home but this is all the feels focusing on what everyone cares about not to mention the charisma of the two co-hosts. Hey, Gina. Oh, the extra shouts to Gina. I, what, 
I'm waggling my eyebrows just listening to this. Extra shouts to Gina for being a gem, and we need more women's voices in all genres. So glad to experience it with her. Uh, Keep it all up. Uh, You get me through work, which is very nice. And then Danny S112 says, if you love all things Friday the 13th, why aren't you listening to this podcast? Two mega fans remind us of how wonderfully imperfect the series is, all the while scratching that Jason Voorhees itch. Uh, favorite kills in the series for him would be a tie between Little Dream Jason drowning Alice uh, and the harpoon wiener stab from <laughs> the final chapter. <laughs> That's a good one. And, That's a good oh, one. It's, it shows off that Voorhees arm strength like nobody's business. And, of course, the frozen ice face from Jason X, the only reason to watch that fucking movie. Be like these people. Uh, we will talk about your review here on the air. If you tell us what your favorite kill in the Friday the 13th series or any of the films that we've covered. And so that does it for today. But don't worry, the body count will continue. We are heading back to Crystal Lake, but a Crystal Lake you've never seen before. That's right. It's the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th. Um, Watch it wherever it streams before we start or watch along as, as we talk about it. That will start in two weeks from today. Uh, so until then, for myself and for Adam and for Gina, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.